0: Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our podcast studio Libby Bernardin. Libby has published two chapbooks, The Book of Myth by the South Carolina Poetry Initiative in 2009 and Layers of Song by Finishing Line Press in 2011. Her poems have appeared in Notre Dame Review, Asheville Poetry Review, Southern Poetry Review, Cairn, Cackalack, I love the name Cackalack, by the way, uh, Pine Song, and the Poetry Society of South Carolina in their yearbooks. She is a life member of the Board of Governors of the South Carolina Academy of Authors and is a member of the Poetry Society of South Carolina and the North Carolina Poetry Society. Her poem, Transmigration, was nominated for a 2017 Pushcart Prize. So welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Curtis. I'm delighted to be here.
0: It's great to have you here. And by the way, I will interject that I know Libby through the having also served on the Board of Governors for the South Carolina Academy of Authors. Right. Um, So just talking about poetry in general, what what led you to poetry?
1: Well, it's sometimes when I think about that, it's hard to pin where I really got intrigued but it seems that poetry has been i've been around poetry all my life mm-hmm. my um some of my earliest memories one in particular my father worked for international paper company in mm. georgetown and he saved some books from the pulp that mm. and came home one evening <clears throat> i was um coloring on the floor just having a great time and he walks in with an armload of books hmm. and he drops the books down near me on the floor and says these are for you sister hmm. they my family always call me sister
0: do you know that's funny because my mother is a South Carolina and her father always called her sister yes
1: <laughs> it's I guess it's typical of, mm-hmm. of Very southern. a southern mm-hmm. thing but anyway in that load of books besides Frank Yerby, which I eventually read, learned a lot of saucy things <laughs> from that, those books. But um, at this time, I was about five or six years old, and I um, picked up this red book, hmm. and it was a book of poetry. Mm-hmm. I now know it was an anthology of poetry, thinking back on it. But I love that book. I started reading the poems in it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a particular poem so much, but I remember Robert Louis Stevenson poems. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Emily Dickinson, you know, she's got some very light, what appear to be very light poems that are appropriate for children. Mm-hmm. In Brook Green Gardens, there's a poem on, inscribed on in concrete mm-hmm. um, I'm Nobody, Who Are You, Are You Nobody Too? Um, and so that book, um, my um, walking around Brook Green with my parents mm-hmm. back in the day when it was just beginning, mm-hmm. well, maybe not that far back, but <laughs> um, but anyway, it was just wonderful to you know, walk around and read the various poems. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather was a Baptist preacher. Mm. He was an evangelical preacher, mm-hmm. and there was something about his voice that just fascinated me. Mm-hmm. When he'd get started, when mm-hmm. he'd begin to preach, he'd start out kind of low and then he'd just
2: build build, mm-hmm. and
1: his voice hummed.
2: Really? it was
1: like almost like music to me. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much about his sermons, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I just remember that tone and how fascinated I was. Mm-hmm. His children, my mother included, were all very talented musically. Mm. They sang in his choir. Um, My oldest uncle became a concert singer. And I think the influence of how they were Mm -hmm. and how I grew up and hearing them sing hymns and Mm -hmm. some of the very old hymns, and it led me into uh, poetry in a way that is a little bit different, I guess, from when you begin to read it. Mm -hmm. It really uplifted poetry for me. Mm -hmm. And um, then my husband, when I married later, I did not go to college right away Mm -hmm. after high school. And my um, husband said, I don't know why you don't take a course, because I had married and moved up to Columbia. Mm -hmm. He said, you go to the library all the time and you bring home these books. And I said, "Well, I'm comfortable in the library.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Me too. <laughs> you know, there's no one around to bother me. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, uh, eventually, I did go, and ultimately, did well enough to keep going. And um, I wound up in James Dickey's class when I was in a, ah. a in the soft soph- my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. I probably was not ready for Dickey, mm-hmm. but." Um, and what a wonderful experience that oh, was! I can imagine. And he was—he was very brilliant and very intelligent, and mm-hmm. knew so much about poetry. And sometimes I think people forget what—not just what a good poet he was, but what a wonderful teacher he was. Mm. Now he did have some issues, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he was—I'm re- so grateful that I had that opportunity. That's really
0: neat. And, and, and didn't you go on to teach at USC? Didn't you teach I English? I did.
1: I taught English at USC. I was an instructor. I was not in a... I didn't have a PhD. Mm-hmm. I was not in a tenure-track position. Mm-hmm. And I taught in a particular program. The, um, it was called the Provisional Year Program and then ultimately the Transition Year. Mm. It's like a bridge okay. for students who didn't meet all the requirements, but there was some academic achievement They might have a high SAT, or they might have a good class record. Oh, okay. Sometimes it was just they were athletes, <clears throat> like not just football players, mm-hmm. but um, baseball players, divers, um, musicians. Mm-hmm. So our program reflected the, um, um, I guess, the student body as a whole. Sure. So it was wonderful teaching there, and... They, it made me realize how much I didn't know about poetry. Mm. Because when you begin to teach it, you really have to look at it. Mm-hmm. And I really would get very excited about poets I didn't know anything about, like Donald Hall, um, Jane Hirschfield. Well, I don't remember that I taught her so much, but um, just, just different poets that, um, I began to learn about mm-hmm. that I had knew by name, mm-hmm. but hadn't really looked very carefully at their work.
0: Well, one thing um, that you were talking about that kind of popped into my brain was about the music, and I think a lot of people don't really relate in their brains that m- the lyrics to songs are poems. You know, the, a, a lot of that, so much poetry is involved in the whole process of, of writing lyrics
1: absolutely the same similar trying to gather information the importance of words Mm -hmm. phrasing poetry really requires space time to really take in what might what might be said and if you've got some space there or some phrasing that leads you on Mm -hmm. then you begin to take in the meaning a little more Mm
0: -hmm. and and also you know, when when a good poet is reading their work or, or just reading poetry, their voices sing, you know? So there's this, again, this relationship to music because I even find when I'm reading a poem out loud, my whole whole voice process changes. Well, my children
1: comment on, it's like I'm not their mother when they hear <laughs> me read. They seem very um, surprised at how I sound mm-hmm. and com- how composed I am when I read. I'm very comfortable reading. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, um, to me, it's an honor if someone wants you to read something you've written. Mm-hmm. And so I try to be very graceful and careful about it because I do consider it to be quite an honor mm-hmm. to read your work, mm-hmm. to read my work mm-hmm. to others.
0: Sure. Well, what we are talking about today is your latest book, and it is called Stones Ripe for Sewing, and I I love that title. I mean, it's just one of those kind of things that you look at, and and you look at the, the cover image, which I'll describe as a wonderful photograph of um, and what do you call that? There, isn't it's, there a it's word? It's a Karen. A yeah, Karen. Yeah. So it's the stones, they're piled one on top of another, and the, the sun's shining brightly on one side, and you see a nice shadow on the other, and it's on a, looks like maybe an old piece of driftwood. Um, yes, yes. But it's just such a great title and a great image. So, um, what, what is it about the title? How did you come up with the title? Did it just come to you, or did you start well, with it? Or
1: actually, it's the line from a poem. It's the last line of a poem. And I'm thinking my late friend Susan Lauder Myers came up with that title. Um, she used to, would say, look through your poems. Hmm. I'd say, I, I, I'm done with this poem. I can't find the title. <laughs> look through your poem. Think uh-huh. about what you're saying in line by line. Mm-hmm. But I, I had I had um, an editor by the name of April Osman, Mm. quite a lovely poet herself and Mm -hmm. very good editor. And she had come up with several um, titles. The first one I used was Among Stones. Mm. Um, But ultimately, I think maybe April had chosen this title but Susan liked it so much. Mm -hmm. And through some rewrites, because I've submitted the poem the book under among stones mm-hmm. and then later submitted it under stones right the sewing mm-hmm. so it came from a poem okay
0: and um, you mentioned Susan Lauder Myers, who I think a lot of folks in South Carolina and maybe a lot of other areas knew her well as a, as a wonderful poet. I remember her so much from the South Carolina Book Festival.
1: Yes. Well, and you took a wonderful photograph of her. Yes, Do you remember? Yes. In fact,
0: that was used in, in uh, her it. book. And yes. she sent me a copy of her book. So I oh, appreciated good. that. Yes, yeah, she
1: really liked it. She was quite a mentor um, for me, even though I'm older than Susan. But um, we met years ago when we both were, I think she, her, we were in that first contest that Kwame Dawes had that used mm. to be in the newspaper. Okay. And um, at some point we met then, but it was not until um, I moved back down to Georgetown after my husband died that mm-hmm. I really got to know Susan. And she was just a wonderful, very encouraging person, Mm -hmm. and she encouraged me to submit this to Kevin Watson at Press 53. Mm -hmm. Sadly, she didn't know. She died before it was accepted, but she knew that I had sent it in. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. So was she the one who recommended the the Press 53 to you?
1: She did. Um, There are two ways. Uh, Press 53 is a wonderful press out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And there are two ways. They do poetry and fiction, Mm -hmm. but they have a poetry contest. Tom Lombardo runs that contest, book contest. Mm -hmm. And then I had actually submitted the book, and that time I think it was entitled Among Stones, to that contest, and it it was a semi-finalist, but it didn't make Mm -hmm. the winner. Mm -hmm. And so when she started talking to me again about it, she said, you should send it to Kevin Watson. He likely has not even seen it because Tom Lombardo likes to mm-hmm. check all his own manuscripts. So I, I did, um, and Kevin was very responsive and very supportive, and I was just thrilled when I got the email that he was going to publish it.
0: Mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's I, I don't have a, a, a book published like this, but I can imagine that sensation of...
1: Oh. In fact, my grand, one of my granddaughters and I were together, and I was checking the, my email, and I said, hmm. And I said, oh my, E.B., that's my granddaughter, uh-huh. you better read this, <laughs> <laughs> and she said, well, it looks like your book is getting published. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was nice to be able to share that with her.
0: That is, that's wonderful. Um, so, so back to the, the cover of, of this book. You um you happen to know the photographer, don't you?
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> he is my companion, my uh-huh. my partner. Um, Phil and I went to high school together. Actually, really? we, we knew each other from first grade. You're kidding! But he his father was in the army of engineers, so okay, he traveled a bit, but mm-hmm. came back to South Carolina All right. when we were both in tenth grade. Wow. But we graduated in the same class. Really? And so when my husband died, I had was coming back and forth it's like four or five years later Mm -hmm. um, and re-met Phil Mm -hmm. and so we got together um, and now we've been together 14 years 15 years I think but he's a wonderful photographer Mm -hmm. by profession he's a wildlife biologist Mm -hmm. well known among um, crocodilians, Mm. people who do study with the crocodiles and alligators, he's got still though he's been retired a number of years he still does research with alligators mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but his photography is so artistic mm-hmm. and he he just takes forever but he gets the shot when mm-hmm. he does take it and mm-hmm. it's just a pleasure to watch him work
0: oh yeah yeah and I love photography too and and um, I um, you know as I was looking through your book I I thought, gosh, that's that's really great. She's got someone you know very close by to be able to do photography for. <laughs> well, and he, he took
1: that wonderful photograph. I do not like my pictures, but <laughs> I th- uh, Kevin really liked it a lot. The editor of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the book, and he said, "I think we should have some information about Phil." Sure, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. So it is nice. He has a photograph of Phil and the. little bit of a bio Mm -hmm. about him Mm -hmm. and Phil has a book coming out the Post and Courier books Uh, maybe it's called Evening Post Publications okay they're doing a coffee table book um, that's coming out in March and John Lane Mm -hmm. is doing the narration in it oh wonderful John is um, as you know you know John Mm -hmm. he's a poet and um,
0: he has an in with Hub City Press, doesn't he? Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> A very good one. Up in Spartanburg. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, and Betsy now is on, Betsy Teeter is mm-hmm. on That's right. our board, and John has been inducted That's right. into the academy. Yeah. But he went with Phil in the field for seven days and wrote up his notes. Really? I can't wait. I've read some of it, but I wow. can't wait to see it all together.
0: What an amazing experience. hmm yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get Phil in here and, That'd and do another podcast. That would be great. <laughs> well, um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, stones ripe for sowing because as I was reading through it um, and reading through your poetry, and I took some notes. Um, these are these are some of the I have I have very one word notes on okay. on your your poetry, and these are some of the things I wrote down: plants, flowers, astronomy, birds, nature, wisteria, hellebore. Uh, cardinal, pelicans, hummingbirds, blackbirds, frogs, newts, starfish and whelks and those were just some of my favorite things that popped out in Mm -hmm. in your poetry and I think it gives a good synopsis of uh, you know your experience and how you translate that into your poetry.
1: Well its nature I, I am very attracted particularly to the coast although I love the mountains. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Georgetown. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up around all those things you just mentioned. Um, And it seems, though I can't always explain it, I'll have the image of something in nature, a cardinal, or um, I've been working on a couple of poems that deal with the hawk. Mm. Um, It seems that the birds will carry something Mm -hmm. I'm not always sure what it is, but there's something that will come out in the poem that's something of a message. And when you think about that and think about birds, that's not too unrealistic to Mm -hmm. think that they do that because not just pigeons who, you know, or birds who can speak like a parrot of Mm -hmm. some sort. Mm -hmm. Birds, it's like they spread their wings and there's some something there for us to take. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't want to get too esoteric about it, but mm-hmm. that's that's how I feel, mm-hmm. and it leads me into some thought process, I guess is the best way mm-hmm. to explain it.
0: And especially even flowers, you know, like because before we got started, you mentioned about seeing all my flower pictures on Facebook. Yes, yes. But th- those kind of things, you know, different things like that really inspire people differently.
1: Well, and I've always been around flowers. Um, I had my own, I've my i had my own gardens, although I can't say that I'm a great gardener. I'm not like my grandmother and my aunt, who they plopped it in the ground. Uh-huh. Sure, they never read a book about p- how to plant a dahlia, for example. Uh-huh. But um, sort of in me a little bit, you uh-huh. know, like in the genes. Uh-huh. So it's been a real pleasure to be able to look at a flower and see what message it has for Mm -hmm. me
0: what other things other than nature impacts your your poetry
1: loss um, in 1998 my husband died Mm -hmm. we had been married 38 years wow and we had a great life together Mm -hmm. not that we didn't have Mm -hmm. what people have when they're married as far as ups and downs but we had a good life together and we had three children. And uh, he he was just so encouraging, mm-hmm. like telling me to take a college course. Because mm-hmm. in, in high school I was told I was not college material. Mm-hmm. The sad part about that is I believed that, yeah. that guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, when I lost him, I really couldn't write. Mm-hmm. I just quit writing. Mm-hmm. I'd been working on a novel idea. I couldn't write poems because it takes you inside. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to Susan, Mm -hmm. I told her about my journal that I wrote to John every night Mm -hmm. before I could sleep. Mm -hmm. And she encouraged me to take that journal, look at it. I had just put it on a shelf. Sure. I didn't want to look at it Mm -hmm. and see what I could come up with as Mm -hmm. far as poems. She said it might be helpful for other people to read what you've written Sure, and that's where some of the poems came from mm-hmm. that I began to look back and I'd take a line from this and I may not deal with that the other parts of that entry li- at that particular time mm-hmm. but a word a line um, or a couple of lines will take me into a poem mm-hmm. and I later when you're ready I can read you a poem that came from, from those journal entries.
0: Well I think that's a wonderful segue. I think I, I think folks would love to hear some of your okay, poems and by the way while you're looking I will say on our podcast page we do have the website for Libby and you have your own website it's LibbyBernardin.com and also there is going to be a link to Press 53 to uh, your entry on the Press 53 website so we'll make sure those links are on the page. Oh
1: great, thank you well, that's another granddaughter that helps me with my website, oh, good. A- Allie Papa John. She's uh-huh. just great. Um, I just send her something. And she I'll posts th- it? <laughs> she sh- it's right back at me, you know. <laughs> I will have struggled with it and uh-huh. had no luck, and uh-huh. she'll post something for me and made some different categories, like mm. news and events Okay, that she put there for mm-hmm. me. So thanks for mentioning that.
0: Sure, yeah, it's a wonderful website.
1: <clears throat> this poem is entitled After Your Funeral, and it came from a couple of lines, although I'm hard pressed to tell you which lines at this point. After Your Funeral. I found the one you kept in your wallet. It aged with you, sepia and creased. I smile for you as I peel potatoes surrounded by wedding gifts including two pictures, one new, the other my grandmother's blue willow, broken when our first child grabbed the table. We were both more beautiful than I knew, uprooting ourselves to grow a home, though of course the photo doesn't show the tangled love and anger a marriage makes, lessons in forgiveness of your waking me with a gift a quilt stitch square by seemingly random square as the maker cut and sewed, matching what couldn't be matched with lesser skill, patchwork merging into a brilliant whole, reminiscent of how we took years to shape patterns, sometimes a circle within a square, or dark fabric under colored stars as though tender mercy shone through our discretionary power to pardon, kept together by stitches.
0: Wow, that's that's got a lot in it. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the kind of format this is written in? Because it seems like there are three lines and then a space and three lines. Yes. Is that a certain format?
1: It's not a form, it's, it's um, three lines per stanza, mm-hmm. um, but it's not, an exact um, form that I could say it's a free form so to speak Mm -hmm. this poem that I'd like to read now it's a way it shows how I sometimes get started on a poem for Mm -hmm. one thing because I had read a poem by Katie Ford Mm -hmm. and the title of it is a line in in her poem my poem takes off it's not as her poem would be. Mm -hmm. But uh, it also is an example of how things seem to be moving away from loss. Mm -hmm. The loss is in in the poem, but there's more that I think offers more hope, Mm -hmm. perhaps Mm -hmm. joy, a little of joy. Okay. Choice. And when the forest of your bearable life appears, and that's after Katie Ford. Rising and unfolding like a great beast or mangrove, know a bamboo grove. Thick canes you'll need a machete to navigate. Imagine the strength you'll need to hack a path through mature growth, cutting away as each canes node could release untold stories. Look up from your scything to wipe your brow. A boat idles among ball cypress, stacked with charts mapping the waterway. Sunlighting an open seat, as if all you had to do was step aboard. Hmm. This poem has different lines, if you notice the mm-hmm. first stanzas too, and then, what is it, five? Mm-hmm. Three and two mm-hmm. but I think I was working with the thought uh, each of these stanzas contain a thought that I wanted to keep together before I went on to anything else
0: mm-hmm. yeah you got a real sense of imagery I mean you really can you know get the mental image of, of someone out in the wilderness mm-hmm. and, and what they're thinking
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Katie Ford is quite a remarkable poet, and I, I read her a lot, although I haven't so much lately. But mm-hmm. that to me, I couldn't write poetry if I didn't read a lot of poetry.
0: Well, sure, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what a lot of people talk about. You know, when um, if if you do write poetry, the one of the best things to help with that process is to read a very broad, you know, um, broad types of, of poetry, and, you know, not only things like um, one of my favorite things, which is the Kalevala, which is the Finnish national epic poem. Oh, um, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's an amazing thing, and that's quite an undertaking. I should read that. I it's, have not read that. It, it's really amazing uh, to, to get into it, but, you know, when, when you're talking about different kinds of poetry, just... It, it doesn't all rhyme, it, it you know it's gonna be in different formats and it's best to just look at all those different kinds of formats.
1: Well, one of the um, quotes I was looking for that I can't find, I think I brought the wrong journal. <laughs> um, the um, idea that the more you read, even if you're not going to write poetry, if you can broaden your own ideas of moving away from Poems that rhyme. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Sure. And we do use, when we don't rhyme, have in rhyme, you will find within lines mm-hmm. there is rhyme. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if people could move beyond what they think a poem should be mm-hmm. and think about how a poem kind of begins to shape itself, no matter how that shape takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think they can begin to appreciate more instead of just relying on the old poems that they Mm -hmm. maybe were taught in school. And I also think one of the things I tried to do when I taught was to encourage students to read. I wouldn't tell them we'd read a poem, but they'd have to help me come to grips with what that poem meant to them. Sure. How how do you see the poem? Where, Mm -hmm. Where in this poem do you find a word that makes you think of something mm-hmm. either in your own life or mm-hmm. takes you mentally somewhere because that like you were saying reading aloud mm-hmm. makes such a difference when you're beginning to see what other people are doing with their
0: poetry it, oh it does and, and the fact that I know you personally and know you know where you live I know Georgetown County and, and the, I know the Low country and you know i can i can read into a lot of the the um you know visualization of what you're you're doing in your poetry because mm-hmm. i've been to those settings yes. so i can kind of get a a good sense of like what you're looking at you know
1: i love to hear you say that <laughs> i have people to tell me especially with my christmas cards that when mm-hmm. phil and i write i write a poem for our christmas card um they'll say I love Phil's photograph. It's just gorgeous. <laughs> oh, and I liked your poem. I didn't understand it, but I liked it. And I try to tell them that's not a compliment. <laughs>
0: well, take it from me. I've, I've, I've read through your poetry, and I can, I can get a good sense of what it is you're looking at and what's impacting you as you are, are you know taking in the nature around you to, to turn that into um, words. Well, to thank words. you. Um, do you have another one that you would like to, to okay. read for us?
1: Um, Transmigration is the poem that was nominated for a push card.
0: And for people who maybe don't know, what is the push card prize?
1: Well, it's um, the best of poetry from small journals. Okay. And I don't even know now who's doing the editing. I'm sure it's a number of people. But this poem was published in the North Carolina Poetry Society book entitled Pine Song, mm-hmm. and it won an award. In fact, Ray McManus mm-hmm. judged this and he, he didn't know it was mine because they're blind, right? And it was we were both tickled to death when we found out that I wrote it
0: and he he judged it. <laughs> that is neat.
1: Yeah, but uh, so the the journal that it's published in will send or nominate the poem. Okay. I, I didn't get the pri- uh, uh, Pushcart Prize, but uh, the nomination is quite an honor. It
0: is. It's wonderful.
1: So this is entitled Transmigration, and it's kind of the way some of my poems are going now. That it, I wouldn't say it's a political poem, but it's beginning to move slightly outside of my own mm-hmm. experience. Transmigration. Only the least sandpiper stayed to catch my thoughts— Birds themselves, flits of movement. In Syria, the people are migrating without compass, Bedouins without tents. I feel the weight of the world, not free, like the great white pelican, sure of its root. Endangered birds, the lesser kestrel, unable to follow the fixed path to feed near waters in the trees next door berries grow up the trunk of a pine tree into the branches like a musical score lilting tempo against the burl a pouring out say the soul passing into the ethereal the lost feeding places the blind going
0: Wow that's a lot going there yeah
1: <laughs> the um, I read where Many of the birds, because of some of the things that are occurring mm-hmm. in the environment,
2: mm-hmm.
1: get they are somewhat lost and don't get to the feeding places that they are used to, the migrating mm-hmm. birds. Mm-hmm. And I want to write more on that because it's one of the things that tells us about ourselves. It's like Phil's alligator research when he's discovering how much... Um, bad things that they find in alligator blood is in our blood
2: Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. Um, so we we can learn from the animals and the birds oh definitely and then the the idea i've i've been so struck by what people have suffered in in syria and Mm -hmm. other places in the
0: mid-east Mm -hmm. and and the whole like you mentioned you know not getting too political but the whole uh, migrant and, mm. and migration and uh, you know immigration issues that that various countries deal with on, mm. on their borders and uh, you know recently the whole uh, the group of what was it from South America the Venezuelans or the Colombians uh, yes were, Central you know, America yeah trying to get yeah. up through through to Mexico and then through to the United States and it's it's amazing how that can really impact you to the point of, you know, you you see it, you're bombarded with it through the news media and then Mm -hmm. here it is, you know, ended up in in your writing.
1: Right, it just gets there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that poets have to do, Um, maybe not have to do, but we have some responsibility to comment Mm -hmm. on these atrocities that Mm -hmm. occur. Mm -hmm. I'm not real good at writing a lot of that, but when it comes in, I know it's right to be there. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't start out to write a poem about migrants, mm-hmm. but when when it shows up, I have to respect it. I have mm-hmm. to pay attention.
0: Sure, sure. Um, so uh, this is Library Voices SC, and one of the things I always like to do is chat a little bit about libraries, and you've already chatted a little <laughs> bit about how you had gone to the library as a a youngster and, you know, loaded yourself up with books. So what do libraries mean to you?
1: Well, it's a place of knowledge. And I think back in the day when I thought I didn't have the wherewithal to be able to pass a college course, Mm -hmm. I could go to the library. I was not being judged. And as long as I didn't owe him a fine, I could right. enjoy. I could enjoy my book and take it out, bring it back, mm-hmm. and it's like other worlds. I wish I could think of the gentleman who, who was here some years ago. I think we were in Wardlaw College. He was with a, a speaking at the South Carolina Writing Project, mm-hmm. African American. Mm-hmm. And um, I was very involved with that project, and I had an opportunity to talk to him afterwards. Mm-hmm. And he wrote about his life and what he had experienced. And I, I asked him, what made you write about your, your life the way it's been? Because mm-hmm. it was up and down, you mm-hmm. know, some of the difficulties that some young African-American men face. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he wrote about himself because he couldn't find himself on, himself on the library shelves.
2: Ah,
1: and that made me realize how important libraries really are mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, all of us. hmm And now we've got all these wonderful poets, our own Terrence Hayes. hmm um,
0: Terrence is amazing.
1: Te- uh, Tracy K. Williams, I've, I'm reading her book. She's a poet Laureate for the United States, and she's reading. She's written this book, *Wade in the Water*. Mm. It's absolutely splendid. And you know, they're Asian Americans. There's so more women are publishing and mm-hmm. speaking about what it's like. Um, people who um, the gay movement. Mm-hmm you find poems mm-hmm. about what it's like to love someone of the same sex mm-hmm. a wonderful love that is as important as any other kind of love mm-hmm. and and so now our libraries are ha- are even more important to share with us the world we live in mm-hmm. and though I don't have little children now, but I, when my grandchildren, my mm-hmm. children and my grandchildren, mm-hmm. we spent many an hour in the
0: library. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great place to spend many an hour. Yeah. Um, so what other kinds of upcoming projects uh, do you have going on? Do you have anything in the works? I do. Um, I, I hope this doesn't
1: sound self-serving, but I've just found out that I've been one of three people nominated for artists of the year for by the Jasper Project.
0: Wow, congratulations. Thank
1: you, I'm so excited about that. Even if I, there are two wonderful people. I do, Tim Conroy is one, I do mm-hmm. know Tim. Mm-hmm. And the, I don't remember the young lady's name who's also a nomination.
0: In fact, we had Tim here on this podcast Was not he? too long yeah. ago, yeah. Yes,
1: he's great. So, but I'm just proud to be a part of that, to mm-hmm. be whatever recognition. Um, the nomination is fine with me. Mm-hmm. But I'm also, um, again, speaking of how much Susan has been in my life, mm-hmm. she some years ago started the tea and poetry program mm-hmm. in Litchfield Beach. We mm-hmm. invite poets to come and read, mm-hmm. and we start again in January. I've taken that over. Oh, great! With um, um, Cliff Saunders, who's all from also from the Low Country and. Daniel Cross-Turner, who mm-hmm. I'm sure you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's wonderful to work with. I'm so happy to have both of them. Anyway, that starts in January. Wonderful. And I'll be reading um, along with Billy Baldwin, who's a Low Country McClellanville writer, poet, and and wonderful um, photographer himself. Oh, great.
0: Wow. So you've got lots going on. Yes. <laughs> and that go,
1: The tea and poetry goes through um, April. Mm-hmm. And we've got some really good people coming in, and we've even got 2020 scheduled. I couldn't believe that. That's amazing. But our first one in 2020, Ray McManus Mm -hmm. and Adrian Rice. Mm -hmm. Do you you know Adrian? Mm -hmm. They're going to come down, and, and his wife also, Adrian's wife. They'll be reading at TN Poetry Oh, that's so we've wonderful. got a splendid.
0: That's great. And then in April, years. there will be the South Carolina Academy of Authors Annual Induction.
1: Yes, yes. Don't ask me who's. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think right now. Well, we
0: can, people can Google that. <laughs> SouthCarolinaAcademyOfAuthors.org. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Well, it was an honor. Thank you for having
0: me, Curtis. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library of Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and tune in radio or add us on your favorite podcast app our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com we love hearing from our listeners so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics library voices sc is the official podcast of the south carolina state library until next time this is curtis rogers thanks for listening